Welcome to Catholic Matters, an hour of information and discussion on life and family issues and the trusted guidance of the Catholic Church in our daily lives. And now, here is your host, Patty Staley. Welcome to this Catholic Matters special report. Two New Jersey state senators, along with co-sponsors, have introduced a bill they named Reproductive Freedom Act. It is an enhanced attack on the unborn New Jersey infants. This abortion bill has the strong backing of Governor Murphy and his wife. This is why we are here today. We will hear testimony from three formidable foes of the latest effort to continue the dehumanization of our precious unborn children. They will give voice to this outrage. Most importantly, we will learn how to join the righteous effort to oppose the death of babies for power and profit that will be occurring in New Jersey if this bill passes. We welcome today Marie Tacey, Executive Director of New Jersey Right to Life, Reverend Childress, a senior pastor of New Calvary Baptist Church in Montclair, New Jersey. He's also the founder of BlackGenocide.org, president of Life Education and Resource Network, and many, many other excellent efforts for the people of God. And we have a physician, Dr. Kathleen Ruddy, who is a breast surgeon and member of the Harvard School of Public Health Leadership Council and the founder and president of Breast Health and Healing Foundation, who will be joining us by phone. Welcome, everyone, to Catholic Matters Special Report. Great to be here. You you. know, I am anxious for our audience to learn the facts of this so-called Reproductive Freedom Act, alternatively known as the Right to Kill Act. Um, But, Marie, I'd like to have a moment for Reverend Childress, who is a stalwart defender of the unborn and their mothers. And I have seen on numerous occasions at Pro-Life Witnesses where, Reverend, you give a beautiful testimony to the words and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Would you please open us with prayer petitioning the Holy Spirit to awaken the conscience of his people who are opposed and oppressed by the culture of death and are beginning to weaken in the storm? Sure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Father, we thank you now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he would indeed quicken the minds, hearts, and spirits of your people. We are the salt of the earth. We are the city set on a hill. We are the agents for change. You left here Lord, until you come again to bring about righteousness. And we pray now that we would not go weary in well-doing, but we would now realize we will reap if we faint not. And for such a time as this, as we have been called, you chose us to be born at this time. You chose us to face the issues that are at hand. And Lord, we believe your word that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Now, we ask now that once again, we would look to you for our strength and be willing to answer the call. Remember, we are the people of conscience that can shift this nation back to righteousness. And we are those who you have picked out to do such a thing. So we ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And you touched my heart on that because I can tell you uh, many, many people have said to me, and I have said it myself, why did God choose me to live in this time? <laughs> I was just thinking that of all the states, New Jersey, right? And, and yes. we do have, each of us are having those moments of weakness, but you are calling us he did choose us, so he mm-hmm. will give us the grace. So we are the ones that must stand up, and it is time. So, Marie, 
please lead us to understand. Now, we know that New Jersey already has a very um, broad uh, abortion bill where it's pretty much a woman can receive an abortion at any time up to nine months in New Jersey. But this is going to change things. And I need you to kind of explain to us where we are in New Jersey now and how this will change our law from now until the many until the future and its intention for the future? Uh, Well, first of all, you're right. We have some of the most liberal abortion laws in the nation, unfortunately. Um, There are no restrictions on abortion at all. Um, It's not for lack of trying because we did get bills passed um, in the the late 1990s, a parental notification bill and a partial birth abortion bill. Um, But unfortunately, we have not been able to get anything through since then. Um, we did have a governor who was pro-life and Governor Christie who cut funding of Planned Parenthood for eight years. Um, and we know that many lives were saved as a result. So we're, we're very grateful that Governor Christie was able to do that. Um, but this bill is one of the most extreme bills ever imagined. It is, mm. it is just draconian. It is evil at its core. Um, and it will allow abortions, it'll codify in law that abortions can be performed the entire nine months of pregnancy. That isn't really anywhere kind of like written in law right now, but this will make it very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, it will force um, all abortions and, and male and female sterilizations that will be taxpayer subsidized, so the taxpayer will have to pay for them. Um, it will welcome people um, who are not only uh, citizens of our states, but those who can come into our state who are not residents to have free abortions and sterilizations uh, all paid for by the taxpayer. It will clearly attract sex traffickers who will bring their victims to New Jersey um, and also the um, sexual predators of minors who will take advantage of this horrible law. And taxpayers will be subsidizing all these um, harmful acts that will be done to women and children. Uh, all insurance companies will ha- must pay for these services. There will be no deductible, no co-pays. Um, and the cost will be transferred on to every consumer. So our rates are going to go sky high. It enshrines in law that the state of New Jersey has no interest at all in the protection of human life in the womb at any stage of development, even after these babies are viable and even after um, they have exited the womb. It eliminates the prosecution for the crime of infanticide, nullifying New Jersey's Safe Haven Infant Protection Act, which has saved over 78 babies since uh, its inception. Uh, It removes the requirement that there would be an autopsy done for um, any baby that dies uh, in the womb um, and also outside of the womb. Uh, It eradicates longstanding conscience clause protections. That is one law that has been in place since 1973 here in New Jersey uh, that says that health care workers could refuse to participate uh, in abortions uh, if their conscience um, objects, if they have conscientious objections. Uh, goes against the religious philosophical beliefs. Um, It will place women's lives and health in jeopardy uh, because it removes the requirement in current regulations that abortions have to be done by physicians um, and um, that after 14 weeks it has to be done in a licensed ambulatory care facility or a hospital. It will allow non-physicians to perform abortions, this law. Um, Hmm. And that is a change. It allowed them... The abortions to be done in a non-hospital setting, in office settings, it changes it to just a simple procedure. Um, it allows nurses and mid- nurse midwives and um, nurse practitioners to perform abortions. Um, 
It eliminates the existing regulation for the uh, removal of fetal tissue disposal, thereby opening the floodgates for a lucrative market in fetal tissue and fetal organ trafficking, which I'm, I know that um, Dr. Ruddy and probably Reverend Childress will be talking about a little bit more. And it also um, it attempts to do this, which is clearly unconstitutional, and the whole, the whole bill is unconstitutional, but it subverts the will of the people by preventing uh, any future legislatures from passing any laws in accordance with the will of the people, and it prevents the people of the state of New Jersey from ever being able to vote on laws that deal with this issue. And clearly we have seen so much advances in science and medicine in the last 50 years, um, and people's views are changing when they see that baby on the ultrasound, and they know that that is a human life, and they know that, that heart, they can see that heart beating 18 days after that, um, that, that woman has become pregnant, many times before she even knows she's pregnant. Um, and so science is on our side here, and what they're attempting to do is prevent uh, any attempt to move forward with science. These are the people who say that we're anti-science. It is they that are anti-science. They do not want to acknowledge <laughs> the development of the baby in the womb and the scientific advances that we now have that we didn't have 50 years ago. That proves clearly this is a human being. This is a person fully deserving of full protection of the law. Who are the sponsors, Marie? Well, there's a lot of them in the, the two main. The two oh, main. Okay, in this in the Senate, it's Senator Loretta Weinberg, um, and I believe Senator Linda Greenstein. Mm -hmm. And in the Assembly, it's Assemblywoman um, Valerie Venary Huddle, and I'm I'm not sure who the other uh, co-primes are, but there's very there's many many um, sponsors. I think t up to like 28 total sponsors mm -hmm. for the Senate and the Assembly bill. Is it combined. bipartisan? There, yeah, no, it is very partisan. It mm -hmm. is unfortunately it's one party that is pushing this and dominating this. It's, it's all the Democratic um, Party in New Jersey that mm -hmm. is pushing this along with Governor Murphy and his wife. And it's interesting to note that, um, you know, when they announced the introduction of this bill, it was the day after Governor Murphy announced he was running for reelection and Planned Parenthood hosted the press conference and Planned Parenthood has been calling the shots. They wrote the bill. It's clearly um, I have never seen a situation where a governor has allowed a lobbying organization to, you know, hold a press conference, a hosting a press conference, mm -hmm. um, and to constantly be pushing this like they have. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, it has shown that it is the third most lobbied bill in the state of New Jersey. It has not passed so far because um, the Democrats have uh, um, realized how extreme it is, thanks to the efforts of our pro-life group, um, Working Together <laughs> Coalition. We've had many protests we've had prayer vigils we've been outside legislators offices um you know we have we have put billboards up we have done everything we could to get this message out that this is an extreme bill and our message is being heard and that is why this bill has not had a hearing up to this point well we thank you for doing that and thanks be to god that your efforts are being blessed and um it, it seems to me a couple of questions that i have is that last part that you talked about that no law can be passed in the future to revise or eliminate this um isn't that like number one unconstitutional point that can immediately be taken and why would they ever say that knowing that it is probably the one thing that we can move forward quickly on well i think it's the old adage of you know you, you shoot for the moon you hit on top of the telephone pole <laughs> right <laughs> you know um right. they're just kind they're of just throw, going for they, everything oh yeah they just threw it all out but there. they're exposing themselves in yes. that weak link right there of yes. course with right. uh, it's not the only one i mean certainly um, you know, we who are sitting here understand that abortion itself is unconstitutional. Uh, but uh, with all the precedents and policies that we have 
had come down since 1973, there are those who are still standing on those versus the Constitution. So we still need that. We still need that ability to change that. Um, so very important. You mentioned um, that there may be a change in understanding the unborn once they are born in this. So is there something that crosses over when you mentioned that during or after birth? Is it like the immediate birthing process that the child is not seen as um, having full human rights or constitutional rights? Um, well, the language in the bill says that it has no the child in the womb has no independent rights, and it goes through the stages of development. It names the stages of development. But then there's sections in the bill that... Um, make it clear that um, a woman who is pregnant and gives birth cannot be prosecuted for any harm done to the, the, the unborn child. And then the fact that they're removing um, the requirement that um, an autopsy be done, you know, mm -hmm. is pretty clear. And they say right there they're removing prosecution, mm -hmm. um, you know, so immunity from prosecution. So putting those together, it's obvious that they also mean that if a baby is born, like we um, saw with the prom mom, you know, when, mm -hmm. when that baby was born during the, you know, the, the prom and she flushed the baby down the toilet, that she would not be prosecuted. Mm -hmm. Or a mother who gives birth and leaves a child and, and abandons them in an unsafe environment and um, the child dies, could not be prosecuted. So the safe haven law, what that safe haven law did was said that, you know, Instead of doing that, if you're in a desperate situation, you can drop that baby off at any emergency room of any hospital, any fire station, any rescue station, 24 hours a day. As long as that child's delivered unharmed, they they will take that child into custody. No questions will be asked, and they will place that child into um, you know permanent foster care, and then place the child for adoption. Start termination of parental rights as soon thereafter. The parent has 21 days to come back and reclaim the child if there was a situation where they it was just you know they 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 changed their mind, um, but we do know that unfortunately there are some women who do give birth in desperate situations and maybe victims of abuse and what have you and panic, and they don't mean to harm the child they don't mean to kill the mm -hmm. child they don't you know they just panic so we're we were trying the, the intent of that law was to save as many babies as we possibly could and you've done a beautiful job and those babies are to your credit and we thank you very much for that. And but is, do you find that the most dangerous part of this bill? Because it's almost like an opening it's infanticide. to right. Yeah. It's an opening to fa infanticide. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that is really um, just unbelievable. It's just mm -hmm. amazing. I just can't even believe that they went there. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question as a nurse on those conscience laws. Um, we're already seeing that they are um, in our conscience laws are in danger right now whether it is for our patients or our, for ourselves, of whether we are being forced to do things or accept uh, certain procedures or um, modes of medical uh, modalities uh, for our patients or for ourselves, that we do not, we're losing our conscience, hmm. ability to protect, protect our own consciences, whether it be for the, our patients or for ourselves. And I am, am talking about, you know, whether we would accept um, a covid a medical modality in order to be able to keep a job. Um, mm. And those conscience laws, as I see it, reflect as not doing harm to yourself as well as not doing harm to your patients if you deem it to be the case in your particular situation. So um, how will this remove that conscience law so that nurses, um, doctors, um, anyone who's in uh, the healthcare field would not have to participate in the actual abortion 
of a, an unborn child? Um, the language in the bill says that any law that conflicts with the intent of this law is a violation of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it says all healthcare workers shall perform abortions. Okay, that's the key word. There's no exceptions in the law, except for religious, you know, ex- exceptions or religious conscience uh, concerns, whatsoever. So, if they intended to put in a conscience clause, they would have done it, and mm. they did not do that. Um, the only thing that they they did do is in terms of the health insurance plans. Um, they did mention something about religious. Um, you know, employers. But Governor Murphy signed a law uh, before the COVID um, pandemic that said that health care providers had to perform abortion, you know, had to pay for um, abortions even if it went against their consciences. And it also leaves it up to the Commissioner of Human Services to determine how that would be played out. So I, I think that was just really thrown in there to, you know, make people think that, you know, they were going to do this. But in reality, um, under an administration that's so rapidly pro-abortion, it's very doubtful that any any healthcare um, workers would be protected mm-hmm. or, or employers. And then, as a nurse, I would also have that concern that a non-medical um, doctor would be permitted to do these procedures because, as we have had testimony over the decades mm-hmm. um, against the law, we have seen that there were, um, you know, nurses' aides throughout the time who were performing the abortions in these clinics. I remember reading some things from down south. There was a clinic down there that they found that the doctor would leave and the staff would just continue with the abortion. So women's health care has not been considered to be paramount. The health of the woman that we always talk about Mm -hmm. is not really being held to the highest Mm -hmm. standards. I speak as a nurse, (laughs) so I have no problem saying that, you know what, I don't think that it is proper that a nurse or a nurse practitioner would, under the Nurse Practice Act, which we are still all working under, have the ability or the skill to be doing abortions in, it seems like, wherever, they a hotel room. <laughs> like, what's this opening to if you don't have to be at least in a stand standalone clinic that's licensed? I should add that the um, the New Jersey, uh, Governor Murphy has directed his his board of medical examiners last October to adopt rules to completely repeal the regulations that are also in the reproductive. It mirrors what they're trying to do in this bill, the Reproductive Freedom Act, which would, because the the, the whole regulations right now are under the board of medical examiners that require that abortions only be done by physicians, that require that after 14 weeks to be done in a licensed setting, that require, you know, that the fetal tissue uh, disposal be done in a certain way. Um, so they're trying to do it both ways. If one fails, try it another way. Mm-hmm. And the board of medical examiners, which are appointed by Murphy, which he has stacked, obviously, this panel, um, voted unanimously to repeal the rules. Um, they print, they printed the, um, in the register, they have to print into the federal, the state register that, that anytime they want to change the rules. And so they did that and they got hammered with so many comments from healthcare workers and doctors, and we happen to know that uh, one letter was sent to them with 50 physicians' names, um, just talking about how dangerous this, this, these uh, new rules would be for women and how harmful it would be to women. Um, and they have yet to adopt, um, you know, to actually, you know, adopt these rules and regulations, which is kind of interesting. Um, but if they do that, then they will probably revise the Reproductive Freedom Act to reflect that. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to do it 
both ways, whichever way. Right. I, and I want to interject yeah. before you get too far off of conscience, because I know your audience should be sensitive to conscience. They always say, follow the science. And people of conscience don't have any problems following the science. Mm-hmm. They deny the science. But one of the greatest scientific minds of our day was Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein said, never do anything against your conscience. Mm -hmm. And he says, if the government demands your conscience, don't surrender it. And this is exactly what Murphy is doing. He's demanding our conscience. He's demanding the conscience of the church. And you started off with conscience, which reminded me of, of that saying, because you get tired of them picking and choosing what science they want to follow. Mm -hmm. And we are at a point right now, uh, it has to be the people of conscience, but Martin Luther King appealed to the people of conscience. And that meant people, he he just didn't appeal to African-Americans, as most people think. Mm -hmm. He appealed to conscience, Mm -hmm. made very little call to any ethnicity. He called for conscience. And if you're calling for Mm -hmm. conscience, the church has to respond. Right now, there's a law in New Jersey that says you will have no conscience. And if the church can't stand mm-hmm. up over that, we, we, we will not survive. We will not survive. Mm-hmm. Reverend Childress, that is why I appreciate it so much uh, when you were praying, mentioning that we are born in this time. And it was all really just kind of philosophical up until now. And now we're all, there are many people who are being called to make a decision Yes. make decisions, to make actions, to have to stand up and say no with a consequence that is right there at your door. And it's frightening because we as Americans in our generation have not had to deal with anything like that. We've had a pretty easy go of it. But now we are being called, and it's our generation, as all of our generations do, our call to stick, to keep that freedom. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to get out of this one with a text or, you know, um, a Facebook comment, <laughs> we're going to have to get out of this the same way our generations before and our forefathers did, and that is to put ourselves on the line mm-hmm. and to be, to take that risk. I say that, I don't say it lightly. I understand no. what that means. Um, we may need our brothers and sisters to begin to get the, um, you know, the troops surrounding us for those who are standing up, who may take the hit, that there's going to be help for those who are taking the hits. Absolutely. What that looks like, I don't know yet, okay? But on this bill, you've already put yourself on the line. You're already out there. You're opposing a force that is, you know, our government is, is very strong right now against the people. The people are not standing as, as, as remembering who we are, that it's our government. <laughs> so there, the more that we step back, the stronger they're becoming. We don't want an us and them. We want to remember it's all us. It's, all, it's ours. <laughs> we the people. It's we the people. It's ours. We the people. Okay. But in saying that, we we need to hear what Maria Marie just told us about the the facts of this bill. That this these are babies that we're talking about. And we're going to talk a little bit more to bring the humanity of these babies in. Okay. But if we don't let this, if we don't stop this now, just as we have you know, maybe made a phone call or two for certain things and it didn't pass or it did pass. If we don't put full force effort now, as you can see, this isn't just for the unborn, which would be a priority. It's also our consciences, our, our, our lives, what we will be doing at work. It will be our jobs, everything. 
everything if we don't stand up now to this and many things that are coming our way. So, Dr. Ruddy, I'd love for you to join our conversation. You've been on the phone uh, listening to this, and you have spent your career caring for women. And um, I'd like to understand what your concerns about this bill, which is called the Reproductive Freedom Act, but it's truly centered on the the freedom to kill, the freedom to um, block uh, the lives of those who are conceived. So what is your perspective, Dr. Reddy, as a, as a, um, a surgeon and doctor for women? Well, Patty, thank you for um, having me join this conversation. I became involved in the question um, when I learned <clears throat> that the governor had a bill that would require me to perform abortion. Now, I'm a breast cancer surgeon, so the likelihood that I would be asked to perform an abortion approached zero, but the likelihood that I would ever perform an abortion was zero. Nevertheless, I became very interested. Um, And as a cancer surgeon, I have a general inclination to look quite deep into the details. And so I began to look at what was going on with regard to abortion in New Jersey. And um, Marie has done a fine job in outlining exactly what the governor has in mind with his full-term abortion bill. But as it turns out, remember, Marie started by saying that it was a very liberal state uh, to begin with. So why all of the elaboration of um, full-term abortion provisions in the state? So I began to ask that question, what was really behind this abortion bill if, in fact, in the state of New Jersey, we perform twice as many abortions per capita as any other state in the country? And I thought, well, this can't be an abortion bill. And then I I asked myself the question, well, is this a jobs bill? How much money can you make? And as a surgeon, I'm very familiar with looking at reimbursement rates as a nurse. I'm sure you're familiar with this as well. And I did a calculation, and if we increase the number of abortions by 20%, not that we need to, but if we did, that would only net $4.2 million into the general revenue per year. And I thought, okay, it's not a jobs bill. It's not an abortion bill. It's not a jobs bill. Well, what is it? And then I began to look at the question of how much money could be made in the procurement and processing and sale of fetal tissue. Now, Planned Parenthood, having been busted by Veritas, uh, was very uh, eager to make sure everyone knew that they were not making money selling fetal tissue. Well, they're not making money selling fresh fetal tissue. They're only paying $70 to have someone pick up the human remains of an aborted child, but a tiny vial of fetal liver stem cells goes for $24,000. So you have to ask yourself, how much would the whole liver go for? Mm. How about a heart? How about two lungs, a spleen, a pancreas, the small intestine, bone marrow, bones, and in my opinion, what they really want is the brain. How much do you think all that goes for? Mm. Then I look to see, well, how much money is the government spending on fetal tissue research? 
I had no idea. Okay, it was $100 million in 2019, and that's just the NIH. I have no idea how much the CDC is spending, the FDA, or DARPA, and there's no way for anybody to know, outside of a Wall Street analyst, how much money private industry is spending on fetal tissue research. Suffice it to say, we get back of the envelope, it's a billion-dollar-a-year industry, and the supply chain is under severe constraint. Why? Because 30 to 40% of abortions now take place at home. A woman is just given drugs. Thank you for the pharmaceutical industry. The cavalry has arrived with drugs. Okay? So women who want to abort their pregnancies will go home and have pills, and that's it. So you lose 30 to 40% of the fetal tissue there. And then we have a 50% reduction in the total number of abortions that have occurred in the country over the past decade. And that's a result of aging demographics. You don't have as many young women getting pregnant. Therefore, you don't have as many unwanted pregnancies. So you've got a 30 to 40% reduction in the supply chain of fetal tissue as a result of the medically induced abortions, you have a 50% reduction in the total number of abortions, and you have a sky-high increased demand for fetal tissue. Mm -hmm. That is what is driving Governor Murphy's full-term abortion bill. This is not an abortion bill, and it's not a jobs bill. This is a fetal tissue harvesting development plan. Now, you asked the question, Patty, why would the governor include in the text of the bill, uh, something which invites a constitutional challenge. That is, they're saying, well, you know, anything that the federal government might uh, pass that would interfere with our state's ability to perform abortions on demand for anybody we want um, will not be allowed. Well, why would they do that? Because they're stalling. They would buy time. They would tie up the state of New Jersey with the federal government, it would case would go to the Supreme Court, and during that entire delay process, you would be harvesting fetal tissue. You would be able to continue to harvest fetal tissue. This is a money-making operation as far as I'm concerned. Now, <clears throat> here's where they made a big mistake in getting me involved, okay? <laughs> because it's my intention to make science great again. What we have seen uh, in Texas recently uh, with a Supreme Court decision five to four that the Texas law prohibiting abortion will stand is that we've got five Supreme Court justices who will be hearing the Dobbs case in October. And the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization case, as you know, is another abortion case with the potential to overturn Roe. Now, in most people's minds, their thinking is, okay, well, the federal government, the state, the Supreme Court will throw abortion back to the states. My intention, and I have just finished writing a book called The Viability of Roe, and I make an argument to the citizens, but it's really to the Supreme Court, here's an opportunity to overturn Roe completely. Now, the Supreme Court, as you know, is willing to hear arguments in the Dobbs case based on one issue only, and that is the issue of viability. And, Patty, you had asked the question about, you know, the, the baby's individual rights before, during, after birth, what have you. The Supreme Court has said 
we will hear you argue about viability. Now, it's important to remember that when Roe was decided, Justice Blackmun said, if at any point the scientists, the doctors, the attorneys can sort through when life begins and when the fetus is viable, then the fetus will have and enjoy the full rights of a citizen and be protected under the Constitution. So the challenge has been, when does life begin? Well, that is easy, and in the book I make that case, but everyone knows. The people at Paramus Mall know that life begins at conception. The real question is, when does viability begin? And it's very interesting that the Supreme Court wants that subject argued. So pay attention, people, because here's your chance. Viability applies to the fetus inside the womb, that's for sure, but it also applies to people who have been born. Now, you remember back to algebra, when you have a factor that appears on both sides of the equation, so viability appears on the side of the equation where the baby has not been born yet, and viability appears on the side of the equation where the human being has been born. When you've got viability on both sides of the equation, you drop viability from the argument completely. Now, when I say that viability applies to the people who have been born, think for a minute. Think of a soldier on a battlefield who's been shot or blown up in in an IED. Think of a victim of mass casualty, 9-11. Think of someone who's been in a motorcycle accident and is brain dead but is alive. Think of someone who is perhaps end-stage renal disease, uh, end-stage cancer patient. Those people are alive, but they are not viable. Viability applies to people who have been born as well as people who have been unborn. I just have to put you on mute for a second because I have to attend to something else. It'll take me two seconds. During that time, we will uh, just look at that viability that the Supreme Court spoke about would be in terms of a, um, a baby who is able to live outside the womb without the support of his mother, correct? Marie, I'm just, I'm yes, just um, but, but clarifying a point. 15 weeks, it, 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 the issue is pre-viability because they, they, they acknowledge in the Dobbs case that whether it's constitutional ban abortions pre-viability because it's a 15 But let me just jump in, Marie, mm-hmm. because yes. that has been, and this is where um, Planned Parenthood and learned from uh, Madison Avenue, the people who control the vocabulary the people who control the conversation um, feel like they control the subject, but they don't. Viability is not exclusive to the fetus at a certain point in the life of the unborn child. That is how it was pitched, but that's not the case. Now, as a practical matter, making science great again, you know, the unborn child was not considered to be viable until maybe seven months of pregnancy. That was, you know, when Roe was decided in 1973. But medicine improved, and so women were having children, premature uh, delivery at six months, and those babies were surviving. They were obviously viable. So you have to ask the question, what are you talking about when you talk about the viability of an unborn child? The unborn child is perfectly viable if you just leave the child Mm -hmm. alone, okay? There's nothing that's going to interfere with viability more than trying to kill the child. Abortion 
okay? The unborn child is viable in the same way that a soldier is completely viable until he's shot in the head. He's no longer viable. If you perform an abortion, that fetus, which is perfectly viable, that unborn child perfectly viable, yeah, that child's not going to be viable any longer, nor is someone who is a victim of a mass casualty event such as 9-11. They're perfectly fine. They have an injury. They are no longer viable. The unborn child is perfectly fine. That unborn child has an injury. That unborn child is no longer viable. The point that I'm trying to make is you can stop talking about viability. The unborn child, by virtue of being alive, is viable. If you change the context, if you change the circumstances, you will then change the question of viability. And we have now, and again, I bring your attention to this, there are five Supreme Court justices who voted in the Texas case recently. Mm. Those five judges, I believe, are poised to overturn Roe if we can give them a good reason to do so. And so Mm -hmm. I think that that should be our focus as well as hammering Governor Murphy and anyone else who supports the RFA, Reproductive Freedom Act. We've got to just hammer them until they understand they're going to lose and you might as well just stop right now because you're not going to win. We're going to do this. We're going to overturn Roe completely. And you guys down there in Trenton, you don't stand a chance. So, Dr. Reddy, I had a question. So when did they redefine the definition of viability to be when a baby can survive outside its mother's womb? Because you're right. Well, that, you know, I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they never really defined it. They, it, was, it was like, um, you know, I love you. You know, I'll always be true. We're here to help you. And God, we trust. I mean, you know, it's just like yeah. these are words and you've got to nail it down to specifics. And so when Justice Blackman used the word viability, and when that had been used in the context of jurisprudence, it meant at what point can you take the unborn child out of the womb and the child would survive? Is that the point at which the child becomes a citizen and is then gifted with the protection of the United States Constitution? No, that's an artificial uh, point in time, and that moves based on science. And my argument is that's not even an argument at all. No, no, the viability applies to people who've been born as well as people who've not been born. So you can stop talking about viability. Reverend Childress right. has Yeah, uh, because black, black men who'd made the summation also said, which I've heard since I've been in the pro-life movement, that the final summation was, well, we don't know when uh, life right. begins. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. now, and now we do. And there's not a biology book in the world that would not tell you life begins at conception. And that, that, that was his words. Now, to all Christians out there <laughs> who are listening to this right. program, we know that our relationship, uh, I know we can't argue that in the court, but uh, our relationship mm-hmm. began with God prior to, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, get, I, get, I get so upset mm-hmm. with church folks who want to talk about uh-huh. what trimester the child is in. It has nothing to do with that you were a person before you had a body. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, that, but... I never, if man, that's a slippery slope to me, and I never really comment on it and get into biology because I'm praying to God that never happens. But who determines mm-hmm. viability? I like what Blackman said. Uh, well, we mm-hmm. don't know when it begins, when life begins. Well, 
life mm-hmm. begins at conception. And what you didn't know then, you do know now. And if I may, yeah. well, we can, actually, if you, I may, you Dr. Ruddy. But they just didn't bother yeah, to, didn't to ask the physicians yeah. or the scientists. They knew it then, but they just it was overlooked evidence. This is why I'm saying make science great again. Yeah. And it's, in, it's an in excellent the first point. chapter of my book, when I talk about um, when does life begin, I begin with a definition taken from a child's dictionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, children know when life begins. They can go to the dictionary, they look up the word life, and it will describe what the definition of life is. And the fertilized egg meets every single criterion yes, for the it definition does. of life. And Dr. Roddy, I'd like to just have a comment on that, if I may, in that uh, we do understand, uh, apart from the legal considerations, you know, in in these documents, but we, life does begin at conception. Our question now is, what is life? Because we are now permitting light, the life of the unborn to be used as a commodity. Mm-hmm. So are we now okay. taking uh, taking something away from certain lives in order to make them commodities, and then other lives are being granted a full life ahead of them with all support. Um, we're now segmenting again, which I, have we not come to understand that's uh, the device of the devil is to separate us, sub- separate well, God's so Patty, people? That, to... that's, a, that's actually a, a brilliant question because it takes us right to the question, and I'm sure Reverend Charles will have a lot to say about this, <laughs> takes us to the question of slavery. Yes, okay. because so I, I'm, I, I'm beginning I my agree. next book, and I'm beginning my next book by reading about what did the founders of our, this country and the framers of the Constitution, what were they thinking about slavery? Because slavery is not in the Constitution, okay? And there was a big argument about slavery, as you recall, okay? And they finally they put, you know, no, in the Constitution, Constitution 13 and 14th slavery. Amendment, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right. So the, So... This actually boils down to the question of slavery in many ways, because if you are able to own another human being, you can do what you want, including kill that person. So slavery really comes in different different appearances throughout Mm -hmm. our human experience. And this This is the the new modern slavery. This is the enslavement of unborn children. The enslavement of every citizen yes. in this country when you allow this. But we must, mm-hmm. I, I do can, need to clarify why that would be the case. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're non persons. I, I need to clarify that, Dr. Ruddy. Why would we consider? You have mentioned the use of fetal tissue. And I'd like Reverend yeah. Childish, you to come in here because mm-hmm. we need some evidence. Well, <laughs> okay, well, Never, nurses are evidence based. So <laughs> the doctor has told us that there is a purpose behind this bill that we may not be seeing, and that is that they need to harvest fetal tissue for the experimentation and I would say even uh, moving on to the commercial use of fetal tissue in products. How do we know this is true? What what evidence do we have for this? Well, the greatest evidence just came out recently and it's the most depressing. I was actually right. depressed for three days and I don't get depressed too often. I'm dealing with a a sister that's uh, struggling life right now with uh, pancreatic cancer and that's a heaviness and certain things, the way the government is going, and that's a heaviness. But this mm-hmm. was, uh, like, devastating that the University of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. basically, just as Dr. Reddy has already alluded to, uh, is demanding more black babies 
fetal, basically fetal tissue of black babies or parts of black babies for their research. Fortunately, and I want to just say to anyone who can be supportive of David DeLion and James O'Keefe, they've done remarkable work. They're heroes. This is, as they found a bill of lading, like this is evidence. And so it vindicates my work of black genocide that they were black babies were being targeted. Uh, the black community was being targeted. There it is in writing. Bling, bring us more African-American babies the body parts of more African-American babies. Why? Because in their minds, these are non-persons. Dred Scott, 1857, basically could not be freed because you say, well, if we tell you you are a person, then you have the rights to be free. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you're three-fifths of a person. (laughs) And uh, fortunately, (laughs) those abolitionists did not give up from that Supreme Court decision. Mm -hmm. Neither have we. And we continue to fight for what we know inwardly is just the justice for all people. But uh, there and the University of San Francisco is doing the same exact thing. So, of course, my mind, I said, well, who do we not know about? Um, And so this quest, this quest, this uh, insatiable desire for baby parts is so ghoulish and so inhumane. It's it goes past the Third Reich in Germany and the great atrocities of this world that we know of historically. This is. And then lastly, I, I say to your audience once again, we need you. We need you more so now than any other time in the country's existence. Um, just imagine the British have come and burning uh, <laughs> our capital again because that's where we're right. at. That's where we're at right now. Right. There's been an right. invasion. They are taking over. These are abominable bills. Now, lastly, how what came out of this investigation is that the parts they are taking out of the babies, they're still alive. Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. I said, well. We need to clarify that, Reverend, if I yeah, may, with the you, with I, if right I can ahead. just read right right from the um, from the disclosure from the mm-hmm. Medical Pro- uh, Center for Progress mm-hmm. uh, for that has been discovered, and it was through an open records request. Yes, that um, is be, was being used to see what it, what are we paying for over at that University of Pittsburgh, and what was seen is that their research yeah. is so that they can come to know. What is the fastest time they can get for an aborted child who is still warm mm-hmm. with a heartbeat that still may be pumping in order to have that last that last flow of warm blood before the right. child's tissue begins to die? Mm-hmm. That exact mm-hmm. point in order to make it so efficient. And they were using right. the fetal um, remains, the babies that were aborted in the neighborhood Planned Parenthood. There was a... a, a um, kind of like an agreement between them so that they can get this tissue over for first Sickening. under the cloak of Sickening. discovery for yeah. disease. Now, I have to tell you, you know, we're all able to say, no, I will not take this or do that because, you know, how many of mm-hmm. we won't go buy this product because they've used fetal tissue to develop it. Um, you know, Campbell's Soup was using fetal, fetal tissue a few years ago to, to to refine the taste of their soups, if you remember. And we boycotted and they changed that. But this so. is not we are not going to be able to know this if they are trying to find uh, ways to treat kidney disease by te- tearing out the kidneys of these babies and, and developing 
new. That's not what they're interested in, Patty. That's not what they're interested is that just, in. That is what they they're. Say, they say, oh, we're going to cure cancer and Alzheimer's right. and pick your favorite disease. That's that, not that's what they're interested in. That's just written in the grant. Now, you ask right. for evidence. You can go to the NIH. The NIH is government website. You will find the NIH has spent $100 million on fetal tissue research. So that's where some of the money and some of the tissue is going. If you do a Google search on how many scientific peer-reviewed scientific articles were published in the past 18 months on fetal tissue just related to the liver, you will find 17,000 articles. On average, there are six scientists as authors of those articles. It's a huge industry. I don't think they're interested in curing anything or even Mm -hmm. to any great extent well, that's what they'll trying say. Trying to improve healthcare. <laughs> what what, I think what do they, they want? want is, what do they want? I think they want to humanize robots. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that they want to artificially alter human beings. That brings us back to the vaccines. What are the what's the graphene doing in the vaccines? What's mm. up with the vaccines? Why is all this mind control and so on and so forth? It goes back to, and as a matter of fact. Uh, it's absolutely well documented, and I've got papers, I've got references. We would not have had this COVID pandemic if it weren't for fetal tissue research. May I add okay? to May I How add to that, that Dr. Ruddy? Just a minute. I want to add to that. I happened to just see that there was yeah. in 2014 the Supreme Court in a decision yeah. that would have gone over our heads at that time that codified uh-huh. that if. There is a change in the genome as it has been given by God in nature, the human genome as we know it now. If that is altered at all in a person, they no longer will have constitutional rights. And that was passed. That was a decision. It was a Supreme Court decision. So in other words, I can be patented. Only if your genome is changed. Floating. Okay, so if I know that I know our listeners because I have to tell you, and this is some of what we talked about during the prayer, we are under siege right now Mm -hmm. with the lies that are coming at us from the propaganda, from the media, from science being used, uh, weaponized science for this this viewpoint. That people have checked out; they have resorted to a psychological comfort zone of normalcy. Okay, Okay, it can't possibly be true from being people. We're going back to being property, back to mm-hmm. slavery. Mm-hmm. That, okay? That's that's the You're ultimate. You're no longer a person right. because but, they changed your genome by, by inserting correct. messenger RNA. You're back to property. Go right. back and, the potential and introduce, for that. introduce yourself to Dred Scott. Okay? Yeah. He, he's got a lot to tell you. So for this bill, we have to bring this back to the bill that we're, we're that is at hand, that we have the great concern over, is that as we move forward mm-hmm. with these draconian abortion bills that are going right. to increase abortion, increase the use of fetal tissue, which is the baby's yeah. tissues, the baby's arms, legs, and spleens, okay? Using this in this quote-unquote right. research, which is horrific. I saw during a nurse's conference what was being yeah. done at University of Pittsburgh, where they are taking the scalps of the little tiny, tiny babies, mm. yes. okay? Mm-hmm. And they've skinned off of the top of a, of a mouse. And they implanted and stitched on. Somebody had to stitch on the scalp 
tissue. And eventually it took, evidenced by the baby's little downy blonde hair growing on the back of that mouse. I cried when I saw that. I cried when I saw that. And it's been a long time because I'm getting hard. And what do you think Mm -hmm. think the purpose of that was? What was the purpose of that? That was so they can grow hair on bald men. Yes, exactly. I was thinking (laughs) that. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay, that's why you always have to ask why. Why, why, why? Now, Patty, you're absolutely right. We've got it like zero back down on what's the strategy and what's the objective. How do we absolutely thwart Governor Murphy's full-term abortion bill? Okay, and that's what we're going to get into, Dr. Okay. Reddy, because we yeah. have about two minutes left, and I need to bring Marie <laughs> back here because there are things okay. we need to do. And this is a call to arms. It's a call to prayer and a call to arms. And what I mean by that is action. And this is where... Marie comes so many times to the public, and we do put our letter in and we put our email in, but we need to do more than one letter and more than one email. So, Marie, please tell us how we can move forward on this. Um, You need to contact your legislators and let them know how you feel about this bill. Um, Don't just assume that they know and they understand how extreme the bill is. Some do, some don't. They don't really want to hear it. Please make sure you have contact with the legislators. We're very concerned about the lame duck session, uh, which is when they probably will try to move this bill. Um, That's after the election. That's Mm -hmm. after the election. Um, So it's really important that you continue to contact your legislators, let them know how you feel. And especially right after the election, we have to put a full court press on and be relentless. Um, You know, obviously, always be civil. You know, don't threaten anybody. Um, you know, but you but you need to get your point across, and we need to be continue. educators. And yes, and be educators. And also talk to your family, talk to your friends. Yes. Some people, you know, they don't really understand the issues. They don't understand how far it goes. Um, people might call themselves pro-choice, but when you get to the heart of it, and you really talk yes. to them about abortion and what it is, and what they're doing, and what this bill will do, we have an opportunity to really touch people's hearts and to change minds and hearts. And I, that's one of the, I think, benefits, too, of the Texas law. We're talking about banning abortion when there's a heartbeat. If there's a heartbeat, it's, a, it's alive. It's a human being that is alive. When you're reproducing cells, it is. So, <laughs> so right off the bat, we are. Right. Thank you very much. And I can't thank you enough for all of you, Marie Tacey, Reverend Chargis, and Dr. Kathleen Ruddy, who are absolute foes of this horrible abortion bill. People... Please continue to pray. And we thank Domestic Church Media for allowing us to bring this to you today. And we hope that we will be able to keep you up to date on this. God bless you. You have been listening to Catholic Matters with Patty Staley, 